Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the goals of, you know, AFR and AFA, our mother uh, ministry, is that of aiding the church and carrying the gospel at home and internationally. And today, our missionary that we're talking to is involved in international missions, and you're going to enjoy this, and we're looking forward to it. Nathan, any time that we can have someone that's traveling, ministering in other locations, uh, we love it here, local, because missions is missions, right? It is, and we have a lot to learn, um, one, about just about what God is doing in different parts of the world, uh, but also, I would say how we can be a part of that in some way, either through praying, through giving, through uh, learning, and uh, engaging with uh, with the ministry. And, and, you know, God has a global mission, uh, and so that includes wherever we are. <laughs> wherever you know? we are. Yeah. Amen. Well, our guest today has been with us before, and he is one of my favorite guests. Let me just put that at the top of the list. Don Shank is he is with the Tide and Global Ministries. Now, I always do this. Being in Mississippi, we have to make sure it's not Crimson Tide. It's the Tide. Now, you, you've never had that mix-up for you, have you, have you Don? <laughs> oh, I get it all the time. <laughs> I figure. Hey, if you're from Alabama, listen, if you move to Alabama, you'll have to declare Auburn or Alabama one way or the other. But anyway, but we love the folks from Alabama. So don't you guys think we're, we're discounting you because our co-host Nathan lives there as well. Yeah, I married one of those uh, Crimson Tide anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but today wow. we're talking about the Tide Global Ministries. It's been around 75 years, Don. That's exciting, man. It is exciting, and before, just to clarify, I am not the founder, and I have not been around those 75 years. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was fortunate to step in and pick up where others had left off, and the, you know what a privilege it was for me to be able to step into this ministry and to help share the gospel around the world. You know, that's, uh, let me just say this about AFR. It's like Don Wildman, our founder. What what a vision he had, what a, I mean, determination he had. And now he has had to step aside, but his son, Tim, has come in. He's our president, and he he's exciting and taking it further. And so, listen, that means we're standing on the shoulders of giants, doesn't it, Don? Absolutely. And, you know, it brings to mind the scripture that says, you know, these things that have been trusted to us, we've... Uh, pass on to trustworthy witnesses, and it's like there's this ongoing legacy that we get to help uh, propitiate and carry on. Don, uh, as we're talking about the Tide Global Ministry, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the places in the globe where where you serve and, and some of the work that you do there. 
Yeah, um, basically, as God has opened doors around the world, that's where this ministry that started as a local English broadcast is now local in different parts of the globe. And just to set one thing up straight, um, set one thing straight up front is that English program is not being translated. But we're working in these other countries with local believers to help them produce and initiate and utilize a media outreach in their own language to their own people. So when we're talking about local, <clears throat> we're doing local here. You and I know what our local community is, but we're also dealing with people around the world reaching their local communities. So whether it's Albania, Bhutan, India, uh, India is an area where we we currently do nine different languages there. In a, we have our own studio there. We bring ministers in. We help them produce a program, get that out on the air. But then they're also working and training village workers and evangelists to utilize that and connect with listeners out in the village areas. And that's kind of, you know, when we talk about a media ministry, uh, the core of what we do is to help them get either a radio or a TV program up and running <clears throat> and available so that people have access to the gospel. But the other critically important part of it is to have those boots on the ground that are going out there and connecting with listeners, making disciples, planting churches, and helping to develop leadership then for those churches. When when you see that, when I hear that, I'll, I'll tell you what came to my mind. If something happened here in the states, uh, and it's in Pennsylvania, where, where headquarters is, isn't it Chambersburg or something? Yes. Okay. If something happened here, the studios over there and the individuals that have been on radio, they've already been trained. Am I right? Yes, they are trained. As we get into each new area and we set up and help them, our ultimate goal is to help them reach a point where they are a self-sustaining indigenous ministry. That's happened with some along the way. You know, we've done multiple languages and people say, well, are you still in, for example, Romania? No, we're not in Romania anymore because they're up and running on their own. Um, we were in Nigeria for several years. That grew. Um, and suddenly people said, we used to do like 11 languages in Nigeria. Yes, we did. That's still going. So getting those going, for, but for many of them that we're doing right now, the greatest thing that we're doing for them is to resource them, get them trained, and to provide financing for those, uh, the, especially the airtime. That's the biggest cost that some of these ministries struggle to meet. You know, to, to ha they're happy to give their time. We can set up a studio relatively inexpensively compared to what it costs to build a studio here in the U.S. But to give to get them set up and going, and enable them to reach out into their communities, and as I said, you know they're making disciples, they're they're planting churches, and it's probably you know I, I might be biased here, but I think the Tide ministry is one of the most cost-effective means of making disciples around the world. That's really uh, interesting. And before we go on, uh, Don, can you uh, tell our listeners how they can best connect uh, maybe internet 
uh, or other ways uh, to connect with the Tide ministry? Yeah, the best connection we have uh, is just go to thetide.org. And anything that I mention here, probably you can find additional information there. There's a contact form. People can sign up right on the <clears throat> homepage there to get uh, newsletters. We send out regular updates, prayer updates, uh, reports. One of the things that we do is we require every ministry we work with around the world to send us a quarterly report. What's happening? Just overall general description of how how things going with the ministry. Give us some examples of some victories, how God is using you, some lives that have been changed, and also, you know, what are some needs, some prayer requests, all these things that help us to really engage with them and provide good feedback to our supporters here. So you can go to the tide.org you can read testimonies online. You can read about some of the work we're doing in specific areas, more than what I can tell you in the few minutes that we have together here. Well, when I hear that and I look over some information that I read concerning the Tide Ministries, one of the things that I noticed, and Nathan is the one that taught me this, he spent five years uh, working with refugees that had come to the United States in the Atlanta area, and they had a communication problem, and he he would talk, he taught me the heart language, and uh, of individuals, and I noticed that that that's on part of what you're talking about. That over twenty heart languages are spoken by millions of people in various countries. I mean, there's so many languages. But how important, and I want you to comment, Don, and then I want Nathan to, how important is it for these people to hear the gospel and discipleship growing in Christ in their heart language? It is, I would say it is critical, it's crucial, because Christianity is sometimes viewed as a culture rather than a religion. And in many, many cultures around the world, they'll actually view their religion as part of their culture. <clears throat> so if we take the teachings of Jesus and we take the gospel of people in a language that maybe they understand, for example, in Southern Africa, there's just... Uh, thousands, millions of people who speak English, there are former English colonies there. But we're, we're taking them, if you have to learn another language or you have to receive a teaching in another language, it looks more like a cultural change rather than a heart change. So you get a, but when somebody is sharing the gospel in their own language with their own people, now it's personal, and it's relational, and it does bring heart change and life change. And, you know, we've seen it around, around the globe where I can tell you there are people who are standing up. Well, you see it on the news sometimes. They are actually, they're being martyred for their faith. That's how firmly the gospel gets entrenched in their hearts. And it's not because they heard it in a different language, but hearing it in their own language, just, I'll give you an example. One of the first letters, I mentioned Nigeria, one of the first letters we got from Nigeria 
was from somebody who said, finally, God speaks my language. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, so so the, it, it just it is just so important to to see this, the, the, having it in their own language, but also having it, hearing it from somebody that is their own. And here's the thing, you know, you and I might learn different languages and that's helpful to go into missions and to be able to speak a language, but they will always know that's not one of them. Very very few people can learn to speak a language that an indigenous person won't be able to identify that uh, accent. Uh, Just like, you know, people listening to us right now, they, they know you guys are from a different state. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Even though I try to disguise my accent and my dialect from time to time, uh, there's no there's no giving it away. A there's no hiding it anyway. Um, Don, uh, I want to turn the uh, 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 table on you a little bit and just ask you personally how how did you get involved in the Tide Global Ministry and and maybe just missions in general. Well, uh, if we go back to the, to the beginning of my life, my life started in a country called Rhodesia. I was born uh, it's now Zimbabwe. My parents were serving as missionaries there, and they were there clear up until my dad just passed away a year ago. Uh, so I was born and raised in a in a foreign country in a missions environment. Um, after college, getting married. I went to Messiah University. My wife and I got married, and I kind of had a desire to go back there. It's a long story, but the short of it is the call to go back to missions came through my wife. And so we went back, and we did. We served in Zimbabwe uh, from 1988 till 2000. And at that point, we just sensed God saying, you know, I'm done with you. I did not want to leave Zimbabwe. I wasn't done there. I loved it. Uh, I had great joy teaching at a Bible school there. But it was just undeniable, and we had affirmation from some prayer partners sensing the same thing. When I came back to the U.S., I had no idea what I was going to do. But the opportunity at that point, I found out actually through a pastor friend who had been a roommate with me at boarding school, he told me about the Tide Ministry and that the director was retiring. So I looked into it and thought, yeah, that seems something that uh, resonates with my heart. My wife and I prayed about it. I put my application in, and one thing led to another. And here I am, 21 years later, uh, still serving as the director of the Tide Ministry. And it's, it's, a, it's a joy to be able to serve in a ministry where I still get to travel to other parts of the country. But uh, more importantly, I just love being able to enable others to serve in ministry. And that's really, that's really what the Tide Ministry is, is doing. You know, we're enabling others and as we help them serve. And it's not that missions sending missionaries is not important. There's still a need for missionaries to go to other countries and to serve in those countries. But more and more, as the gospel seeds get planted and people embrace the gospel, more and more we need to be enabling indigenous ministries to reach out 
and to become established and to help build the church, to build God's kingdom in their own communities where they are. You know, when I hear that, I can't help but think about Paul's missionary strategy in the book of Acts. Uh, He and uh, Barnabas first and then Silas, uh, when they would go to a town, guess what it said he would do before he left? He would ordain elders. He would call elders Mm -hmm. out. They were the teaching elders. He had Mm -hmm. spent time. Now, many times he left Timothy there or left Luke there for a while to aid them and help them. But his his whole goal was to turn the teaching ministry, the equipping ministry over to that local church, that local group. And when he went Mm -hmm. from, from Asia to Europe, guess what? It didn't change, guys. You know, Nathan, right. that's that's the that's a model in the scriptures. If we can find the model in the scriptures, mm-hmm. don't you think it's best to stay that way, Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if we want to see biblical fruit that that is that God intends, we will have to do things mm-hmm. in a biblical model in in, in that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I see that in that um, you guys are equipping, training raising up uh, indigenous leaders in their local areas who speak the heart mm-hmm. language of the people around them, who share the culture of the people around them. And now they have um, a call on their life and they're equipped and trained, ready to share that good news of Jesus with the people in a way that mm-hmm. the people can clearly understand and make a, make a heart uh, decision to follow Jesus. Um, Don, right. can you tell us maybe some interesting uh, either stories or testimonies from those local places, how people have heard the good news of Jesus and, and he's changed their lives. Uh, as I said, we asked for reports. I can tell you lots of stories. I can give you lots of testimonies of, of ways God has been at work. You know, one that I just have right here in front of me is from a guy. He's a mechanic in Albania. Somebody brought the car in to have it, uh, repaired the radio is already on it's tuned in to the christian radio station and as he's working on the car he begins listening to the radio and it says he heard the gospel for the first time so then he started to listen to that you know more frequently and he he contacted our radio pastor in albania through that the radio pastor was able to meet with him answer his questions and lead him through in through the steps to commit his life to God to accept Jesus as personal Savior and Lord, and so now he's uh, he's a firm believer, and he said he made the commitment. Now he's not going to charge customers now overcharge them for things they don't really need on <laughs> <in> their car. <laughs> Amen. We need more mechanics like that, don't we? <laughs> yes, we right, do. <laughs> right, um, but. You know, just the, the number of letters that come in where people write and and will just say, you know, here I'll read one from a Kui listener in India, where they said, you know, I listen to your program regularly. My life's been changed through that radio program. I've received new hope in my life. I've been disturbed before, but now my life has changed. I trust in the Lord. Want to live for Him. Please pray for my spiritual growth and send me some literature. And that's the other thing which is important for us to be able to to help provide the resources that in some of these languages they don't have adequate literature 
And so trying to work with other partner agencies to get literature available in these languages, because people are hungry. They need to be fed. They hear, you know, Jesus touches them. Maybe it's through the word that's spoken on a radio, but the discipleship aspect of it uh, is something where, you know, people just want, you know, so many letters people write, you know, I prayed with the pastor on the radio. Now what do I do? And to be able to provide scriptures, to be able to provide, you know, tracts and literature that can help them grow in their faith. So that's that's another thing which we do. But that's something that's, you know, if anybody wants to get involved in any of those projects or wants to learn more about how we do that and some of the things we do, they can go to the tide.org and get additional information about that. I noticed some countries, you were talking about the countries you work in, and I know you mentioned India, and we, we've we got some dear mm-hmm. friends, ministers in India. and But I noticed Afghanistan. Are you guys still, is it still being broadcast in Afghanistan? Yes, we do. Um, and there we we do have, we listed as Afghanistan. Um, we're doing Dari language broadcasting, so it covers a broader, uh, throughout Central Asia because the, the languages don't have borders as such. But we're doing the Dari language, and this year we've also introduced a Pashto language radio broadcast. Again, there's a huge Pashto-speaking uh, population in, in Central Asia. And if if you if somebody would go to our website and see, well, you're doing Pashto there, and you're also doing it in Pakistan, there's two different Pashtos, <laughs> and they, <laughs> they it's like there's a southern and a northern. And when they first came to me with, you know, we don't always understand in our own culture what's happening in other places. And when they came with a proposal, hey, we need a Pashto language over here, I said, well, we've already got one. Let's just rebroadcast it over there. And they said, no, people won't even listen to it because the southern Pashto don't like the northern Pashto. Yeah, as as a people group, there's animosity between them. And if they hear that other language, even though it's similar, there's some different words, some different accents, they just, it'll be a turnoff right away. And that brings us back to how critical it is to reach people in their heart language, somebody speaking their language, that they don't get any idea that this is a foreigner trying to convert them away from their culture. Yeah, I believe that's that's so important, and it's hard for us, especially um, Americans like myself who only speak one language mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even struggle mm-hmm. in that one. Uh, you know, we, we don't have a mental picture, a concept of of how that how important that really is, but I think I think it's very important that you guys are focusing in on uh, heart languages. Um, I am I am interested in one aspect, and this is how my mind works. So you tell me if if um, I'm on track here. Um, do okay. you guys take radio and television people who who are following Jesus and train them in in mission? Uh, Training, or do you take folks who are already living on mission and train them how to do radio and television? Mostly, we take people who are already living on mission. Um, for example, the newest program we've do- just introduced in India is in the uh, Desiakanda language, 
That's a, a tribal group. It's relatively small. There's just under 3 million uh, estimated in the population in a couple states in India. And we are also, you know, our, our group in India is ministering amongst tribal groups. And so they're doing uh, like Ho and I mentioned Kui, uh, Santali. Some of these tribal groups, they are intermingled in in the areas where they reside. And so as our workers were out working, they met a guy who was uh, born and raised as a Hindu, Hindu follower and came to know Christ as a child, was kicked out of his home, had was raised by his uncle, eventually got some Bible training, and decided he wanted to plant churches among his own people. He's been doing that, and when some of our village workers met him, they said, hey, we can help you get a radio program started that's going to enhance and it's going to enable you to reach even more people. So there's somebody who was living on mission. They're struggling to cover everything, but now we're training him how to prepare a message. He does, and it comes into our studio in India where we help him produce that, put music uh, with it, and send that out. Now he's got an additional connection point. He's reaching more people, and there's a familiarity now when he comes into a village to talk about something that they've already heard on the radio. Don, we haven't got a lot of time remaining. I, I just want to ask uh, the ones that you know, persecution. Uh, we know in India it has stepped up in the last few years, uh, even the government with the new prime minister. Do you know of the other areas where the tide is ministering that, you know, persecution is a very big issue? It is. It's a, it's a, it's a huge issue um, in Pakistan, in Afghanistan. It's, it's not as blatant in Nepal. It's more government pressure. Yeah. When you look at, at persecution, you have to look at what's happening on the ground at, um, could we say, village level or <clears throat> even in the city, at street level, let me put it that way between those who are very radical followers of their own religion and don't want to see Christianity coming in, then there's also the, the government level. So, you know, for example, in India, we have all of our paperwork completely legal. So we are, we can send funding in there, but they could keep making it harder and harder to get the funding there. They make it harder and harder for churches to operate. Uh, in, in Nepal, you'll see signs. They don't. They, they won't be a church sign. For example, I visited a place. It was the Brethren in Christ Community Center, not a rather than a church. So there's there's little things, but uh, in in some places, and again, this is Nepal. We've had believers arrested just for carrying a Bible wow. because it's illegal. It's not illegal to be a Christian, but it is illegal to share your faith or to try to make any attempt to convert someone. And that's the way it is in many of these countries where there is persecution. They'll say, well, we allow religious freedom. You can be a Christian, but you can't 
for That's anyone right. to well, convert. Don, thank you for being with us today. And we can get in you can get in touch. The tide.org. Is that right? The tide.org. Yep. We'll be praying for you and we we'll ask that those who are listening today would pray. Oh.